coming up on this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Either you're trying to help Israel uh, spiritually, uh, humanitarian relief and other ways, or you're trying to help Palestinians and the Arab world. Very few ministries are crazy enough to try to do both. From our perspective as a team, we're a venture capital firm, spiritually speaking. I'm going to take you inside palaces. I'm going to take you inside to meetings with Israeli leaders at the highest levels, Arab kings, crown princes, presidents, and prime ministers. Hello, and welcome to Inside the Epicenter. My name is Carl Muller, and I'm the executive director of the Joshua Fund, and I'm joined by Joel Rosenberg, the founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. The Joshua Fund exists to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. And I am so excited that Joel is able to be with us. Joel, welcome. You're in Jerusalem right now, aren't you? I am, Carl, and it's great to be with you. Thank you. And I'm excited about this new podcast. Well, we are too. This is the culmination of a lot of prayer and a lot of engagement with the issues, the challenges that come about doing ministry in this part of the world, the Middle East, Israel, and the five countries that surround her, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Egypt. There's so much to unpack. And the Palestinians. And the Palestinians, of course. You know, in in Israel, we have so many complexities, even just in that one country. So, Joel, help me out. Who is the Joshua Fund? Well, the Joshua Fund exists, as you said, to bless Israel and her neighbors. Uh, there are very few ministries who try to do both. Either you're trying to help Israel uh, spiritually, uh, humanitarian relief and other ways, or you're trying to help Palestinians and the Arab world. Very few ministries are crazy enough to try to do both. But we believe that God has told us to do both because it's not either or. For us, uh, for Lynn and me, when we founded the ministry back in 20, uh, 2006, but uh, for everybody that's come onto the team, board and staff and donors over time, we just believe theologically and practically you, we don't want to be involved in an either or Ministry. Right. We don't believe God loves one side or the other. We believe he loves both. And right. uh, I think one of the challenges that the church faces in what I call the epicenter is several fold. First, on the Arab side, there has been genocide. Uh, there has been war. There has been terror. There are just horrors, uh, not to mention coronavirus and all the other traumas, sure. poverty, uh, illiteracy, uh, you know, human rights abuses. There's a lot of challenges in the Arab world. In Israel, there are many challenges as well. Yes, you have a vibrant, positive, growing, uh, high-tech economy, but most Israelis are not involved in that economy, right? right. And, and there are many elderly, uh, Holocaust survivors, and so forth. So the question is, how can the church care for the poor and the needy, care for Holocaust survivors, care for Syrian and Iraqi refugees, when the church in the region doesn't have the funding to do any of that? Usually, right. usually. But there's also the question of how do you equip the church, encourage it? that when It's been so battered, so beleaguered for so long. How do you come alongside, not to do the job of the church for it, but how do you encourage and equip them so that they can do more, so they can fulfill the Great Commission? And that's our heart, not to do the work of the church for it, but to come alongside it and be an ally. 
Right. You know, it's amazing to me that you had the vision to see this come about, to bless Israel and her neighbors. I was talking with another ministry leader in the region, and uh, he asked me, so what's the most interesting challenge for you coming into the Joshua Fund? And I said, well, it's those last three words and her neighbors that makes everything so much more complicated. You know what I'm saying, Joel? You've had this experience uh, where if we were simply focused on Israel, we would have a very clearly defined channel to work in, to serve uh, and to help build believers in that area. And then, of course, if we were only working in the Arabic countries around Israel, we would have a very clear channel. But it's the attempt, and I believe the most successful ministry area, to be able to actually engage both and, in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to bring peace, to bring healing, and to bring a sense of the unity of the body to that region. So I know you got started on this, but what does the Joshua Fund actually do? And then I want to talk about what we want to do with this podcast, but what does the Joshua Fund actually do? Well, uh, let's talk about big picture. Uh, Since we started in 2006, the Joshua Fund has invested more than $50 million in strengthening the church and caring for the needy uh, in that part of the world. That's Could I wish we did a lot more? Yeah, but I'm amazed that God has given us this opportunity. We've had amazing prayer partners and uh, donors, mostly sort of small, you know, $25 a month, something along those lines, just people caring because they want to make a difference and they're not sure how. And I often describe the Joshua Fund as, uh, from from our perspective as a team, we're a venture capital firm, spiritually speaking. We're going out to identify Uh, churches and ministries uh, that are doing really exciting work that God is moving through, right? We're not trying to get them to do something biblical and spirit-led. We're we're trying to look for who's actually doing it and needs help, just like you would if you were in Silicon Valley and you came along and you found a couple, you know, young men and women in a garage coming up with some killer app and you're like, wow, that will really have an impact. It's too bad you guys don't have enough funding you know, management advice, marketing advice. How can we help you? That's what venture capital does in the world of, of business. Spiritually, this is exactly what we do. We deploy our train and deploy our team to get to know people, to have a lot of coffee. We joke that our number one uh, line <laughs> item is coffee. Uh, it's not really true, but it feels true because it's all about relationships in this part of the world. You just can't pop in, check their website, check their brochure, send a check. Like it just doesn't work that way because you don't know is it legit. So that's yeah. from that's from our perspective is, is as venture capitals. But I will tell you, Carl, that I think our listeners need to know that from a donor perspective, we, I actually think of it as a mutual fund. Meaning, mm. when I travel all across the United States, Canada, Asia, wherever I go, and people say, oh, "Man, I, I want to help. I have this heart to bless Israel or her neighbors or both." I don't know what to do. You know, I, I can't give much, or some people are like, I can give a lot. But they always say, I wouldn't know the first thing about what ministries are legitimate, that they're, you know, reasonably spiritually yeah. sound, theologically sound, that they're using my money the way they say they're going to. But that's, that's also what a mutual fund does, right? You're not picking individual stocks. You're saying, listen, I trust this management fund. 
and they're going to go figure out where to get the best return. And that's really what the Joshua Fund is in many ways financially. It's a fund, right? So a lot of what we're doing is becoming a trusted resource for people who have a heart to touch the lives of people in Israel and in the Palestinian and other Arab lands, but they don't know how to use that money wisely. And that's what we do every day. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's really fascinating. You you use that example of the venture capital fund or the mutual fund because, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I listen to these financial shows, you know, where to invest your money. I don't know if it's the, the Motley Fool podcast or, you know, all of these other things. And, and I always think we could be the, the Fools for Christ podcast in the Middle East, right? Where to invest in ministries that are making a difference. And like you said, uh, so many of us here in, in the West where we don't have access to those high value, very effective ministries on the ground, but our Joshua Fund workers do, and they can vet those and they can be a trusted place for people. Let me give you a quick example, uh, Carl, because I think this is about being a good stewards of the resource. Like maybe people who are listening have, you know, it's $10 a year or $10 a month or, but maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's a hundred thousand. But the question is, how do I know that these funds will be invested for the kingdom and they'll be invested wisely? And I I know of uh, some wonderful believers in the United States who heard me teach. Uh, They got excited about what, what I was talking about, the needs over in this part of the world. And they, Went on a trip, uh, they saw some things, they met some people, they went back, they raised $2 million, wow. and they gave it to a ministry. Uh, they, yeah. they didn't call me, they didn't ask me, and that was kind of sad, because when they told me later, I had this pause, and I, I wasn't, I, look, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, I'm not trying to, but when the person asked, could you come and be at the, at the ceremony where we give this check? I said, brother, I, you know, look, I love you and I know your heart is good, but I will tell you that since you're asking, if you'd asked any of the other ministry leaders in this part of the world where they were focusing, nobody would have recommended that hmm. you give $2 million to that ministry. Theological reasons, uh, financial mismanagement concerns. Look, we're not out trying to throw people, you know, to disparage any ministries, but we do vet these things very carefully. And if people come to us, we use that information that we're learning, that the relationships we're building to help people, whether it's a little or a lot, make sure uh, that they're investing wisely. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and it's actually just the opposite of trying to point out who's not doing something well, but it's actually finding those that are doing things well. I think of the the men of Issachar, you know, that that understood the times, which meant more than just what was happening historically or anything like that, but but really how things worked and knew what to do. That's a picture of the Joshua Fund in Israel and her neighbors to be laser focused on what effective ministry is going on and how we can come alongside that. And by we, I mean our listeners and really those that care about this region, care about peace, 
care about the end times, care about the Great the, Commission, the gospel, the, discipleship, the church planning. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'll tell you, Carl, as you know, you're relatively new on board as our as our reasonably new executive director. And I'm so glad, given all of your experience, and I hope in future podcasts we sort of unpack who you are because well, we God, will, you, you're a real gift <laughs> to us. But I will tell you that, you know, for those who are just starting to listen to this podcast, especially this one, so we're just starting out, some of the projects that God has uncovered, some of the gems of opportunity have been amazing. And they have required crisscrossing through the region. Again, a lot of baklava, a little too much baklava <laughs> for me, maybe um, it's coffee, tea. Uh, I'll give you one example. You know, look, I'm Jewish. I'm an evangelical. I'm an Israeli, but four times I've been to Iraq, and one of the times I was there, one of the ministry leaders said to me, listen, we have an opportunity that has never happened before. We have an opportunity to set up the first legal Christian radio station ever in the history of Iraq. It's post-Saddam Hussein. There's all kinds of chaos. There's ISIS, but, but we have this opportunity. We don't have the money to do it. And we don't have the, you know, we don't know how to do it, but we believe that's what God wants us to do. And we have permission from the government. What do you recommend? How is like, we'll, we'll help you. I didn't even, you don't have to pray about that. I mean, you pray about it, but you go in prayerful, but I'm just saying, wow. And so I came back. The problem is we didn't have a budget for that. <laughs> to make a short version of this right now, God allowed us to help that ministry by used radio equipment including a used transmitter and tower because of people we knew in the States who were involved in Arabic radio Christian broadcasting for years. We were able to connect them, send in people to train and equip. Long story short, in northern Iraq, almost 10 years ago now, Joshua Fund helped set up the first Christian radio station ever. Broadcasting Christian music, of course, the Bible teaching, Bible reading, in Arabic and Kurdish. And this wow. was an amazing opportunity. And they got everything ready. And then the, the, the leader called me and he said, listen, we need a final signature on our license. And for no matter what we do, we can't get the final signature. Would you come and meet with the prime minister and ask him to sign the license? And I was like, you know, I was living in Washington at that time. And I said, uh, brother, maybe it's a bad connection on this call, but <laughs> did you just ask a Jewish follower of Jesus to come to a Muslim country and ask the Muslim prime minister to sign the license so that the gospel and Christian teaching in the Bible could be broadcast throughout northern Iraq? And he said, yes, that's exactly what I'm asking. I said, okay, uh, I need to pray about that. Anyway, I did. The Lord opened the door for the meeting. I met with the prime minister and uh, the license was signed, and it's uh, 97.1 FM. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and when ISIS was roaring through northern Iraq, mm. the team that was running this Christian radio station turned it off, packed up, and they were heading to flee for safety. The government called the director on his cell phone. He said, they said, what happened? Why aren't you guys on the air? They said, because we're fleeing. He said, no, 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 no. You can't flee. You've got to, wow. it's going to terrify people. They need the hope and the encouragement of that radio station. Please, I beg of you, go back and turn this thing on. This was not a hugely expensive project, but I will tell you, 
it was one that has never been done before. I'm not aware of it being done since, but it's having an impact in a country that, you know, needs the love of Jesus. They need the scriptures. So God has opened all kinds of crazy doors like that. Joel, it is so refreshing and beautiful to hear good news coming out of this region sometimes. And, you know, this is the epicenter of world history. And I hope that will be a distinctive of this podcast because what one of the things we're uncovering is, yeah, there's people know how much trauma there is in this region. They don't know how powerfully the Holy Spirit is moving. Amen. That's right. We're going to hear on this podcast as we go and as the Lord provides opportunity for us to share the stories of the men and women who are the courageous frontline warriors for the good news of Jesus Christ, whether it's in Israel or any of those five countries or the West Bank coming back. And I know you've got a treasure trove of stories that we're going to talk about. We're going to also talk about the unique and powerful biblical time that we're in. This is a moment in history. Let's not forget that God's plan for history runs straight through this epicenter of the world. And all of the things that are happening right now, I have seen and understood God's word predicts and God's word gives us clues as to what's happening right now. And I think that's an incredibly important thing for people in the West to understand that these are not random or chaotic occurrences. This is all part of a great plan that God has for this region. And I know you've written and taught on this. We're going to explore and and unpack that as part of the, the podcast as well. And we've got a treasure trove. I mean, we've got years of material of the epicenter conferences, the teachers and things that we're going to uh, to just let our listeners to this podcast here. And it's going to be so rich, so full of encouragement, so full of the wisdom of God's word applied in the historical and political situations that we see right now. So, Joel, I mean, we've we've talked so much about what the Joshua Fund is doing and how God is moving there, but why why should we do this podcast? Why why are we doing this now? And what's our hope for this podcast as we go forward? Well, I think uh, Carl that uh, so many Uh, Christians and others around the world don't know the good news of how great our God is and how powerful he's moving in a world, in a region where the headlines are so filled with war, terror, genocide, trauma, tension. And uh, and so we're going to take people inside the epicenter. We're going to take people uh, inside the churches, uh, inside these countries where you and I have had the, the joy and opportunity to travel and meet the men and women of God and the young people of the Lord who are living their faith despite enormous challenges. So that's one of the most exciting parts of this. And we, I want, I want to promise everybody that's listening, we will be careful. We we know the dangers that uh, Jewish believers, Muslim background believers, and others face in this part of the world. Security is a very fundamental part of what we do, and so we'll be careful as we tell these stories. But that's the first thing that I think is so exciting. The second thing I think people should listen uh, to and and, and tell other people to listen is because I'm going to take you inside palaces. I'm going to take you inside to meetings with Israeli leaders at the highest levels, Arab kings, Crown princes, 
presidents and prime ministers. We're going to hear in their own voices, uh, uh, their own words, uh, the conversations I've had with them about religious freedom, about opening churches when there haven't been churches, about strengthening churches, about protecting Christians that have been facing trauma. And uh, you're not going to hear that in almost any other place because very few followers of Jesus have ever had those open doors to go in and meet with Jordan's King Abdullah five times now. Uh, five times meeting with Egyptian President al-Sisi, uh, twice meeting for hours with the Saudi Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman or the Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates or others. And look, I'm not saying that all these leaders are doing everything right. My point is not political on this or to evaluate everything they're doing right or wrong. But there are things you should know that you're not hearing anywhere else about how God is moving and about what we can know and how we can pray for these leaders and for the people that they govern, right? That's one of the biblical mandates. The third reason I'd say that people should listen is because very few people in the world are teaching Bible prophecy in a healthy, credible, sane way. Let's just be honest. There are a lot of <laughs> lunatics out there, Carl. You, you know, like people who when the issue of Bible prophecy comes up and you go to their websites and it's every sentence is in capital letters and there's 92 exclamation points at the end. and It's all red and black and fire. And you're like, dude, seriously, have some decaf. Help. I mean, really. Yeah. Like, take a breath. It's okay. But God is moving, and he has given us clues, and he's given us indicators, signs, and, and teachings in the scriptures that tell us what's coming and why those things are important and why he's told us. Now, we're not saying that every single one of those prophecies are going to come true in our lifetime. But some of them already have, and others seem remarkably, intriguingly close we're going to be talking about lots of issues, but, but that's one of them. And I, I have a great concern that most of the church is not teaching about Bible prophecy. And I'll just wrap up this thought with this. And that is 27% of the Bible is prophecy. 27%, one out of four verses. And I, I tell people, look, you know, when you have so many pastors and ministry leaders who don't talk about it, who just skip it. It's too controversial. It's too complicated. Yeah, there's, those are challenges. But if you just ignore it, how is that helpful for the body of Christ? Right. Uh, for example, if you're going to teach your daughter or son 27% less of what she or he needs to know to drive a car safely, are you helping them? <laughs> what about the other people on the road? If you're running a medical school and you're teaching your young doctors future doctors, 27% less of what they need to know to save a life. Are you helping them? What about the patients? What about their families? So God has given us all scripture inspired by him. All of it is inspired and it's useful. It's profitable to the believers. And, and so to avoid it is a mistake. We're not going to avoid it here. We're going to go into these issues. And uh, I'm excited, Carl. I'm excited to get into uh, these three areas. And I'm sure some others will come up from time to time. Thanks, Joel. Such a privilege to hear these stories. And I'm so excited for where we're going to go with this podcast, Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. And I want to thank you, our listeners. This podcast is so important to your understanding of what's going on inside this region of the world, the epicenter of Israel and the neighboring countries. 
You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to thejoshuafund.com and click the banner for Inside the Epicenter podcast with Joel Rosenberg. Also, you can go to any one of Joel's websites that are telling the story of the news coming from the epicenter. Allisraelnews.com and allarabnews.com. And again, my name is Carl Muller, the executive director of the Joshua Fund. Thank you for listening to Inside the Epicenter podcast with Joel Rosenberg. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.